Chapter Five of Peggy Raymond's Vacation or Friendly Terrace Transplanted by Harriet Lemis Smith. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Five A Safe and Sane Fourth. The three legged race is what I'm dying to see, Amy declared. It sounds so mysterious, you know, like some new kind of quadruped. No, I don't mean that she added hastily as peggy laughed quadrupeds have to have four legs don't they well anyway it sounds like something queer the village celebration of the approaching fourth of july had for some days been the chief topic of conversation in doolittle cottage the idea of a picnic with the whole community invited was in itself a startling innovation to girls who were city-bred and the entertainment promised in the shape of various contests winding up with a baseball game between the fats and the leans appealed to them all more or less strongly peggy with that faculty for picking up information which would have made her an unqualified success as a newspaper reporter was continually announcing new items of interest that farmer cole's joe was to pitch for the leans or that jerry morton had won the potato race the previous fourth and meant to enter again or that rosetta muriel disdained the promiscuous appeal of the picnic but the thought she might bring herself to view the fireworks in the evening the morning of the third was for the most part given up to preparing the picnic luncheon and jerry morton who sampled peggy's doughnuts still hot from the kettle carried away a newborn respect for the accomplishments of that versatile young person mrs snooks too arriving when the house was fragrant with the mingled odors of blueberry turnovers spiced cake and ginger snaps sniffed appreciatively and lost no time in expressing her surprise well i want to know i've heard tell that city folks most generally bought their cake and stuff instead of baking it dreadful shiftless way i call it i just dropped in to see if you could let me have half a pail of lard and a tablespoon of soda even the generous peggy rejoiced that the opportunity to say no had arrived at last i've just used up the last of the lard mrs snooks and we haven't thought to get any soda yet you don't mean to tell me that you've been getting along without baking soda exclaimed mrs snooks with an unconcealed disappointment well well young folks are certainly thoughtless and here you've used up all your lard and to-morrow the fourth and the store shut from all appearances mrs snooks was having something of a struggle to control her irritation at such evidences of short-sightedness it was clear however that her efforts had been crowned with success when she announced with an explosive sigh well if you haven't lard or baking soda i'll take a cup of granulated sugar and a ball of darning cotton yes black i guess though if you're out of black most any color will do it was certainly disappointing when after such preparations and anticipations the girls were waked on the morning of the fourth by the beating of rain on the roof the most optimistic of weather prophets could have seen no promise of clearing in the lowering sky the girls had roused a little early in honor of the occasion and they came downstairs with gloomy faces and over the oatmeal and bacon exchanged condolences to think that the first really rainy day had to be the fourth scolded priscilla and when we had made up our minds to be so patriotic too and that the three-legged race mourned amy probably i'll never get a chance to see another peggy i warn you that when you look so preposterously cheerful it makes me feel like throwing something peggy laughed and helped herself to toast i was only thinking that if we were going to keep the fourth of july indoors we'd have to have a flag of some sort 
you don't mean you'd go three miles in this rain after a flag peggy and anyway the store would be closed for the fourth oh i didn't mean to buy one i thought we'd make it make a flag exclaimed claire fendall who ever heard of such a thing betsy ross did it peggy reminded her let's us hurry through the dishes and see if we can't do as much even though the prospect of emulating betsy ross was an unsatisfactory substitute for the anticipated excitements of the day peggy's suggestion was noticeably successful in raising the drooping spirits of the crowd the work of the morning was dispatched in haste and the girls flocked to the living-room where a fire less ambitious than their first attempt had been kindled on the hearth peggy had produced a large-sized white towel from her trunk and she at once began to explain her plan this will do for a foundation girls it's soft and it will drape nicely now all we need is a blue patch in one corner and red stripes who's got any red ribbon i've got that red ribbon i use for a sash responded amy but i'd hate to have it cut oh we won't need to cut it you see this flag is going to be draped over the fireplace so its shortcomings won't be in evidence and we'll turn the ribbon on the side that doesn't show bring me all the red ribbons in the house amy's sash won't be enough so with much animated discussion the flag grew apace nobody was exactly sure whether the outer stripes should be red or white and for economical reasons peggy decided on the latter we'll begin with white girls for that will make seven white stripes and only six red ones and we've got plenty of white towel while red ribbon is a little scarce another perplexing question arose when peggy had sacrificed the dark blue sailor collar of an old blouse to form the blue field of the upper corner of the flag now we can cut white stars out of paper and sew them on exclaimed peggy standing back to admire her handiwork how many are there anyway nobody was able to answer peggy gazed round the circle with a mingling of indignation and incredulity what all of us high school girls and not know how many states there are in the union this is really awful aunt abigail you must know dear me child replied aunt abigail serenely i have an impression that there were in the neighborhood of thirty-six at the time of the centennial exposition and since then i've lost track i wonder if we could count them up mused peggy wrinkling her forehead maine new hampshire vermont what's the use protested amy who counts the stars on the flag anyway we'll crowd in forty or fifty enough to pretty well cover the blue and it will look all right ruth had a suggestion to offer as long as this is a sort of betsy ross flag why not have thirteen stars just as she had as this proposal afforded a satisfactory solution to the difficulty the thirteen stars were promptly cut from the white paper and sewed in place and the finished flag was draped above the fireplace peggy's anticipations in regard to its shortcomings had been realized the red stripes were not of uniform width or of the same shade and the blue field was a trifle small in proportion to the size of the flag owing to the limitations of the original sailor collar yet when it was in place and the stripes composed of dorothy's hair ribbons drawn up artistically so that the wrinkles didn't show the effect was most impressive and along with their pride in their success the girls experienced that indescribable thrill which is in the heart's response to the challenge of our national emblem now girls peggy was looking at the clock we've got time for just one thing more before we start to get dinner each one of us must write a patriotic conundrum and then we'll put them around at each other's plates and we'll have to guess them before we can eat a mouthful 
the girls groaned in a dismay half real half assumed i don't see how a conundrum can be patriotic objected claire oh if it's about your native land or george washington or the flag it'll do conceded peggy and the words were hardly out of her mouth when amy made a dart for the writing desk oh let me have a pencil quick she begged before i forget you don't mean that you've thought of one already ruth cried but the radiant satisfaction on amy's countenance was answer enough with an expression of mingled wonder and envy ruth found a pencil and a scrap of paper and set to work to produce her own conundrum in the allotted half-hour with the exception of amy none of the girls could boast of any inspiration for the task every face wore an expression of stern and relentless absorption in striking contrast to amy's air of carefree content the ample provision made for a picnic dinner the previous day rendered the preparation of the midday meal unusually easy and the girls gathered at the dinner-table less eager to sample the pressed meat and potato chips than to examine the folded slips of paper placed under each plate peggy was the first to unfold hers why is peggy like betsy ross she read aloud oh amy lassell no wonder it only took half a minute her tone was reproachful but amy beamed upon the company with no decrease of complacency that's what i call a good conundrum she declared it's patriotic and it's easy to guess the trouble with most conundrums is that nobody can guess them except the people who make them that's the case with this one i think said aunt abigail scrutinizing her conundrum through her lorgnette what do you make of this at the top of the paper are the letters w p h and underneath is the question why are these letters like the father of his country it was some time before any ray of light was thrown on this dark mystery whoever made it up will have to explain it amy declared for the tenth time it's peggy of course for she hasn't helped in the guessing now my conundrum wait cried priscilla sitting up suddenly i know first in war to be sure w is first in war and p first in peace a little far-fetched but not bad for a beginner said aunt abigail patronizingly while ruth patted priscilla's tall head not without difficulty and amy read aloud what is the most important of the united states new york i suppose though of course i like my own state lots better no it's matrimony in her haste to explain ruth forgot to wait for the guesses that might come nearer the mark but i can't see that it's particularly patriotic though it is about our native land and i'm dreadfully afraid it's not so very original original enough even in solomon's time there was nothing new under the sun peggy consoled her now priscilla but priscilla had colored fiercely on unfolding her paper and crumpled it in her hand even if she had not instantly recognized the handwriting she would have no difficulty in ascribing the sentiment to its rightful source who is it that i love better than my native land can my dearest priscilla guess read yours claire peggy said hastily interrupting amy who was about to protest against the suppression of a single conundrum and claire read obediently why was martha washington like the captain of a ship it was peggy who distinguished herself by suggesting because washington was her second mate and priscilla whose flushed cheeks were rapidly regaining their natural hue pronounced the answer correct rather suspicious amy declared priscilla guesses peggy's and peggy priscilla's looks as if it was all fixed up beforehand well ruth yours is the last 
the last conundrum proved to be the most puzzling what battle of the revolution is like a weathercock various explanations of the mysterious affinity were offered and each in turn rejected aunt abigail the author was finally appealed to why dear me aunt abigail smiled upon the circle of interested faces i haven't the slightest idea but i was sure that if any battle of the revolution was the least bit like a weathercock one of you smart young folks would find it out after this auspicious beginning the cheeriness of the midday meal was in pleasing contrast to the gloom of breakfast even amy forgot to mourn over missing the three-legged race and ruth who under graham's tutelage had become an ardent devotee of baseball was reconciled to her failure to witness the unique contest between the fats and the leans the morning had passed so rapidly and so pleasantly on the whole that every one was inclined to be hopeful regarding the remainder of the day and to wait with tranquillity the further unfoldment of peggy's plans when dinner was over the dining-room in order and the last shining dish replaced on the cupboard shelves expectant eyes turned in peggy's direction as if to ask what's next and peggy as was her custom promptly rose to the occasion now for this afternoon a reverberating rap immediately behind her caused peggy to turn with a start and throw open the door whereupon the figure on the step entered without waiting for an invitation it was jerry morton but a jerry startlingly unlike his everyday self even the fact that he was dripping with rain could not obscure the magnificence of his toilet including very pointed tan shoes and a hand-painted necktie under his coat was partially concealed some bulging object which gave him an appearance singularly unsymmetrical peggy was the first to recover herself why good afternoon jerry but i guess we shan't want any fish to-day you don't suppose i'd sell fish on the fourth do you demanded jerry with the impressive scorn of a patriot misjudged i thought maybe you'd like like a little music seeing it's raining cats and dogs he had thrown apart his soaked coat as he spoke and the bulging object proved to be a banjo in a little flannel case which jerry hastily removed twanging the strings of the instrument in his anxiety to ascertain the effect of the dampness on their constitution music why that's very nice of you jerry come into the next room and let me introduce you to mrs tyler peggy was a little in doubt as to the light in which aunt abigail would regard this unceremonious call from the youthful fish-vendor but the shrewd old lady was familiar with the customs of too many lands not to be able to accommodate herself to the democratic simplicity of a country community she gave jerry her hand insisted that he should take a seat by the fire where his damp clothing would gradually dry and forthwith called for dixie and hardly was the stirring melody well under way before the girls were keeping time with toes and fingers and a general animation was replacing the temporary frigidity induced by jerry's advent jerry really played surprisingly well and on a stormy day such an accomplishment stands its possessor in good stead but it was not left to jerry to uphold the reputation of the community for sociability the ringing of the front door-bell interrupted the suwanee river and peggy who was nearest the door jumped up to answer the summons while hobo a little ahead of her as usual stood with his nose to the crack gravely attentive as if to satisfy himself as to the intentions of the new arrival this time the open door revealed rosetta muriel struggling to lower a refractory umbrella with her hat tipped rakishly over one eye why how do you do exclaimed peggy attempting to conceal her surprise under an effusive cordiality come right in 
but rosetta muriel was not to be hurried she closed her umbrella righted her hat and began fumbling in a little beaded bag which dangled from her wrist all the heads were turned wonderingly toward the open door before she produced the object of her search a gilted edged card upon which was written with many elaborate flourishes miss rosetta muriel cole peggy gazing upon this work of art began to realize the importance of the occasion rosetta muriel was making a call will you walk in peggy repeated this time with proper decorum and the caller entered and was presented to each of the company in order pleased to meet you said rosetta muriel primly in acknowledgment of each introduction but when jerry's turn came both she and peggy varied from the usual formula of course you know jerry morton peggy said and rosetta muriel admitted the impeachment with the stiffest of brows if not pleased at meeting jerry it was evident that she was surprised to find him in doolittle cottage and apparently quite at home the music ceased temporarily and conversation took its place rosetta muriel invited to lay aside her hat declined with dignity and commented on the weather after full justice had been done to that serviceable theme peggy introduced another we've met such a nice girl several times when we've been picking berries i suppose you know her lucy haynes i know who you mean replied rosetta muriel coldly she ain't in society you know not in not in society firmly repeated rosetta muriel she used to come to my house sometimes but that was before i came out after you come out you've got to be more careful about who you associate with an awestruck silence followed the enunciation of this social law and rosetta muriel addressed herself to priscilla whose aristocratic bearing seemed to impress her favorably do you know mrs sidney dillingham priscilla stared at this familiar mention of one of the society leaders in her own city why i never met her if that's what you mean i know her by sight i've seen her at several concerts i suppose you know she's entertaining sir albert driscoll at her newport house this summer quite a feather in her cap ain't it priscilla replied with a gasp that she supposed it was and looked appealingly at peggy peggy's responsive attempt to bring the conversation back to normal levels proved quite unsuccessful rosetta muriel was determined to impress her new acquaintance with her knowledge of customs of the four hundred and indeed it was evident that she had studied the society columns of the new york papers with an industry worthy a better cause peggy at length grew desperate as long as it's fourth of july wouldn't it be nice to sing some patriotic songs you can play america can't you jerry well i guess said jerry with unfeigned relief and he struck a resounding chord after rosetta muriel and the atmosphere of tawdry pretense surrounding her it was a relief to everyone to launch into the splendid words my country tis of thee amy who did not know one tune from another sang at the top of her voice aunt abigail hummed the air in a cracked soprano with traces of bygone sweetness priscilla's silvery notes soared flute-like above the others and even rosetta muriel joined after a brief hesitation probably due to her uncertainty as to whether this was customary in the best society on the occasion of a formal call that went splendidly declared peggy her face aglow when the last verse had filled the room with melody now what about the star-spangled banner can you play that jerry it's a lot harder than the other you bet it's a lot harder but i can play it all right 
jerry instantly proved his boast by striking the introductory chords winding up with an ambitious flourish now he said with a nod and the chorus burst out lustily priscilla's voice leading oh say can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming the chorus strong on the first line weakened on the second priscilla sang through the third alone and then came to a full stop jerry drummed a few further chords and broke off to demand what's the matter why i've forgotten just how that goes cried priscilla what is the next anyway after a protracted struggle in which each girl racked her memory and contributed such fragments as she could recall four lines were patched into comparative completeness but beyond this their allied efforts could not carry them for the second time that day peggy included herself in her stern denunciation it's perfectly appalling we didn't know how many states there were we didn't know about the stripes on the flag and now we don't know the star-spangled banner it's a disgrace not a single person in this room knows the star-spangled banner i do said jerry morton oh all right you can teach it to the rest of us then declared peggy and for the next hour the drilling went forward relentlessly the company repeated each verse in chorus till there was no sign of doubt or hesitation and then sang it through when the verses had been mastered separately the entire song was rendered with telling effect aunt abigail clapped her hands i've often wondered why the english and the germans were so much better posted on their national songs than we are if all patriotic young americans took this sensible way of spending a rainy fourth of july our critics would have one less arrow in their quiver the afternoon was well advanced and rosetta muriel rose to make her farewells expressing an enjoyment which was perhaps a concession to her sense of propriety rather than a perfectly spontaneous expression of feeling rosetta muriel found the girls of doolittle cottage strangely puzzling she had prepared herself to meet these city visitors on their own ground and instead of holding her own she had it all her own way apparently she was the only one of the company who could claim with any show of reason to be an authority on the doings of the smart set after supper while the rain still pounded unweariedly on the roof aunt abigail told the story of a high-spirited young ancestress who had lived back in the colonial times and in the stirring days of seventy-six had pitted her wits against one of king george's officers and won from him a concession which was perhaps equally a tribute to her beauty and her brains it was one of the stories which cannot be retold too often full of the audacious courage of gallant youth and the listening girls felt a vicarious pride in the daring of their countrywoman of bygone days as for amy she straightened herself so as to give the effect of having grown suddenly taller my ancestress she observed with fitting pride how many times my great-grandmother was she aunt abigail it's no wonder i'm a little out of the ordinary in spite of a disheartening beginning it had been a very satisfactory fourth upstairs as the girls made ready for bed ruth voiced the general opinion for a safe and sane fourth it hasn't been half bad peggy who had crossed the hall to combine sociability and the ceremony of taking down her hair brushed her refractory locks with energy i wish they'd never tacked that on to the fourth of july she said so many things are safe and sane darning stockings for instance the fourth of july ought to be a lot more it ought to be jolly and to teach you something and make you think and this fourth has come 
pretty near all three. End of chapter five.